talking. It's easy to be enthusiastic about something you're excited about and build the audience around that. And then you start talking to them and you start to get to know them. And now you know, okay, here's pains and problems. Here's needs and wants and motivations. Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another Ecom Ops podcast. Today I'm talking with an absolute Shopify expert with Kurt. He also runs a podcast, so I'm really curious about all your stuff you're doing, Kurt. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for showing up. So this is really great to have you here. I mean, a Shopify expert. This is so great because we have a lot of listeners that have a Shopify store or that that, that run their e-commerce business on, on Shopify. Kurt, tell me a bit about yourself and how you got into e-commerce. Sure. Well, so I've been uh, I've been involved in e-commerce uh, almost my entire adult life. I started in my in a college dorm room. I sold bootleg t-shirts on eBay. And I didn't really get the problem cool. yeah. until I got, you know, some legal notices from Warner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and, then I was like, uh, and later, I I was a, a channel manager at an e-commerce dropshipper. And then uh, since 2009, I joined uh, over 10 years ago as a, a Shopify partner, started doing theme development, building stores, and stuck with that. And we've gotten to work with some really cool brands like the Jay Leno's Garage and Hoonigan and Harney and Sons Tea. Just a lot of, a lot of neat, neat businesses, big to small. That's awesome. Wow. Um, and you also run your podcast with uh, over a million of downloads. That's... Uh, um, is that 2 million now? It's 2 million the, now. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the unofficial <laughs> Shopify podcast. Yeah, that's the correct pronunciation <laughs> with the dialect. Um, yeah, that's the that's our show. I've got, um, I think, four, four thir- 430 something episodes now. Oh wow, that's really insane! So I am really, uh, uh, I said it up front in the in the pre chat that we had. Uh, that's really a shame because we just have 110 recordings or so. So I I'm so happy that I can even learn so much today about uh, talking someone with someone who has a really famous podcast. And tell me a bit about the reason. Why did you create the podcast? Uh, what was the impet- uh, the, in, the 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 impetus behind the the creation and the ideas? I had discovered guesting on podcasts. And especially like for B2B, there's a really good way to generate leads. Like I, uh, someone intro me, I appear in my first podcast, it goes live. And I get a few emails from people being like, hey, that was, that was really helpful with follow-up questions. And so I knew I'd like, like there was something there, I'd like that. And no one knew who I was, no one cared, I didn't have an audience. And so I would just ask at the end, hey, do you know any other podcast hosts you can intro me to? And they would. And a consistent thing happened. At the end, people go, you know, you, you seem like a natural. And this was like before Serial, before podcasts were huge, huge. And everybody had one. And they, uh, a lot of these, these hosts would encourage me, you should start your own. And the thing that scared me was editing and producing. I didn't know how to do that. But my, my business partner at the time goes, oh, I used to edit the Onion AV Club's first podcast. So I didn't know that. So now I had no excuse to not start a podcast. So I bought a $30 <laughs> USB microphone. I had no idea what I was doing. And we just started. And did episode one, it was garbage. And episode two, it was garbage. And I screwed everything up. And then suddenly, 
you know, you get to episode 100 and like, all right, you're starting to figure it out. And then, you know, by episode 300, you're like, all right, I really, really get in the feel for this. And now I hopefully, you know, hopefully I'll hit episode 500 and go, okay, now I know what I'm doing. Yeah, cool. Um, I, I find it funny. Um, you also have a nice background here um, from, from Star Wars. So if you have a small look here, there's also <laughs> a, a bit of Star Wars fans. Are you, are you a fan? Are you putting that out to show everyone what you're looking at? Or um, is it just for the show? Uh, well, it turns out you can business expense straight up toys as long as you call it set dressing. <laughs> That's cool. Good answer. <laughs> okay, let's talk a bit about um, e-commerce as is. So uh, you're working with a lot of Shopify clients. You see a lot um, um, customers. Uh, you see a lot of stores. And we often get the younger shop founders or newer shop founders running into the biggest problems, I'd say that. Yeah? What would you say, what are the three most common mistakes that shop founders can run into? I think for sure the early on, it is difficult to build and find your audience. Like for sure, coming up with the idea is the easy part. Getting product and getting it available to sell is harder. Getting anyone to care is the hardest part. And I, the, my wife runs a blog and she says, you know, the, the hard part is that you have to accept that you're, you're really going to be just talking to yourself, just yelling into the void for a year. And after that, then suddenly people you'll notice like, oh, people are starting to pay attention, people starting to care. And so I think the, the hard part is sticking with it, figuring it out and building that audience. But I, I, the biggest mistake I think people make is they start with the idea and the product and then they're like, oh, then I'll figure out who's going to buy it. No, oh my gosh, build the audience first. And I think that's why we see a lot of um, excitement and, and success around uh, influencers who, I guess we've rebranded influencers as creators now. So yeah. They're content creators. And because content creators, they don't have the product to sell, but they have the audience. And so now we're really starting to see this marriage with um, like TikTok Creator Marketplace. Um, Shopify just launched one. There are a lot of these, these tools and services and places that will help you find uh, content creators to attach to your e-com business. Well, if you'd started with the audience first, you wouldn't be so, so reliant on, on trying to find other people to be your spokesperson. And so I think that's, that's probably the number one mistake people make. Yeah. And, and how would you start then? So um, when you think about a new web store, how would you start building that out before even putting the store online? If for sure, you want to start with, with building an email list, an audience, trying to find people and attract them to just like whatever the general niche vertical space is. And ideally, life gets much easier if it overlaps with your own genuine interests. And then you could, that also helps, you know, it makes it more natural for you. It makes it more easy, mm -hmm. more exciting. It's easy to be enthusiastic about something you're excited about and build the audience around that. And then you start talking to them and you start to get to know them. And now you know, okay, here's pains and problems. Here's needs and wants and motivations. And then from that, okay, ideally you could come up with an idea, a brand, you know, something that stuff that solves pains or problems is my favorite. Um, but you could also do like more lifestyle stuff like apparel and um, clothes. But figuring that out is so hard. It really yeah. is. I don't know. Start with number one is build the audience. Number two is talk to the audience to figure out and validate what your product should be and what you should sell. And then get into, okay, let's try and sell it. You could do, I like pre-orders for the stuff, really kind of de-risk the situation. 
Very interesting approach. And uh, I agree, it's uh, really very hard um, to, to, to start it like this um, because uh, you do not know where to start at. Um, is social media a good channel to start talking about something new or uh, which social media channel would you prefer or would you suggest? It's a good question. It's tough now, especially like people have really turned on Instagram and Facebook. But I think at the same time, those tools are, those social media channels are retooling themselves in a similar way to what TikTok did, where they're focusing on discover, discoverability. Yep. And the advantage to that is it really takes the power, it takes a lot of the power away from established legacy creators like a Kim Kardashian and shifts it to newer, faster, more entertaining creators that may not have that wide audience yet. And so I think it really, with those changes coming to those platforms, the thing that works and drives and is quick, 100% it's, it's portrait video. If you yep. can get good at entertaining portrait video, that is what kills right now. Yeah, I've seen this in, in the statistics a lot that, that such video, videos are really more powerful, more helpful, and there are popping up services around the globe that offer to connect you with connectors, putting up such uh, portrait videos and so on. And of course, when you do it yourself, uh, that really is helpful and, and, and gets you onto the right track, I think. What I also read recently was that Facebook is dropping down in the younger ages. So I think it's a bit product related where you start looking at your audience and TikTok, of course, is the big winner here. I think it's TikTok makes it a bit harder because you cannot so good interact like you can do on, on, on Facebook with all these kind of commands and, and, and requests. But I think there is a way still even for, for new products to go there. So let's say... TikTok really drives brand awareness. Like that's yeah. the catch with it is you... People who are on it are locked into it. There's no, they don't leave in an in-app browser the way they do with Facebook and Instagram. So you're absolutely right. Like it, 100% trying to get attribution out of it is tough. But for brand awareness, man, that is like the go-to place to be, especially if it's you're skewing younger like Gen Z. And I think the study you were alluding to um, was from Pew Research Center, yep. in which they, they surveyed teens in 2015 and then again now and discovered uh, Facebook Facebook use for those people collapsed. But what's interesting, the number one, and like TikTok was very, was prominent. Um, surprisingly, Snapchat and Instagram still too. The, the one that everybody used like universally is YouTube. Yeah. And that's interesting. It's tough to get, but it, like YouTube, uh, tough to get seen, tough to get traction, but like you get a little more communication and engagement there. Yeah, YouTube but again, is really what's the common channel. thing here? Yeah, it's video. It's like video. if you can master video, there's a book I I wanted to get good at video as a skill and see what it's like. And so I found this book, uh, bought it on a whim called How to Shoot Video That Doesn't Suck. And <laughs> like great title, can't forget it. How to Shoot Video That Doesn't Suck. But it's like it's really easy and approachable. Um, and it absolutely was the missing link between like I have a camera, and at this point everybody does because they own smartphones. And then like, all right, what does a properly edited video look like? And that was the book that like that that was the missing link that filled in the gap for me. So if that's the thing, so we're, I think we're agree here, like, all right, the two platforms, like all these platforms are, are looking for video and you got to start with building an audience and that like, that's the smart way to go. And the piece of content that you need is video. And so like that really 
Step one is master that skill, I think. <laughs> and that's a tough one, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah it's, but, but it's doable, actually. It's and not, even, it's hard, but at the same time, it's more accessible than ever. Yeah. And that like, if you have a smartphone, that's it. That's, you, you have 100% of the tools to get started. Perfect. Thank you so much. That's really interesting. Now I am started and I'm about to build my store. So you opted in for being a Shopify expert since many, many years now on Shopify. On your LinkedIn, it says 11 years or since 2011, sorry, a Shopify expert. Why Shopify? That's a good question. So years ago, we, we, were, we were doing WordPress development. We were web developers at that time. And we were experimenting with a lot of platforms. And I had a friend who owned a bike shop. And he said, I need help. I hate my website. I said, what do you hate about it? He's like, it's impossible to update. This thing drives me crazy. And he's like, I just want a website that's easy to use. I want to be able to update it myself. I said, you want to sell stuff on it? Yeah. I said, I heard about this thing called Shopify. And it seems like their whole thing is that it's easy to use. And so not knowing what we didn't know, we set out, felt like we knew WordPress. So I said, eh, we could figure this out. We <laughs> designed and developed a custom theme on a platform we'd never used before. And lo and behold, the thing was documented well enough that we were able to do it. It wasn't painful at all. And then I, we handed it off to our, our bike shop uh, friend and client. And he's like, this is great. He's still using that site today. And so their focus was accessible e-commerce. And they understood that they needed an ecosystem, a partnership to really make it a platform and a community. And they invested so much effort into that. And we recognized that early. They documented it well because that's a big barrier to getting people to use it and not have a frustrating time. And then they really focused on and understood entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and the things and struggles that people face. It tried to solve for those. And so, you know, my passion had always been entrepreneurship. And I, I was a tech guy and liked, liked computers and knew uh, a little bit about web design and development. And so it just became a natural, a natural fit. And once I, I had a frustrating experience, we we're building a site for a, an ad agency. And they were building it for a large hotel chain. And we were the ones actually doing the work. And it's just a horrible experience and a horrible project. I said, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to work just directly with entrepreneurs, small businesses, and help them sell more online more often. And we're going to use Shopify as the tool to do it. And when we did that, they said, and we got to find a way to market this. And I'm not doing this, this cold gen, cold emailing stuff anymore. We're going to do inbound. And so I started the podcast and we said, just that Shopify, that's it. And that was... Yeah, there was timing worked in my advantage, but I, I hitched my cart to the right horse for sure. Yeah. I mean, Shopify is growing every year and more and more customers that I talk to are migrating from a self-hosted solution to Shopify. So it's really something that, that they have proven to be very stable, very, you do not even notice the upgrades that they do on the app. Just you have new features there and nothing else is breaking mostly. I mean, themes, of course, can break. Apps, of course, cannot work anymore. But typically, they take care that everything uh, runs smoothly. I think with your experience and your customers, you mostly work with Shopify Plus merchants in, in, in uh, your size. Or do you still yeah, have the smaller ones? It's probably 50-50 between like Shopify Plus and then they call it the other... The non-plus stuff, they call that Shopify core. Yeah. And from when do you think is the right time to switch from the core to plus and what give, what benefits do you have? Oh, all right. So this is a good question. And we get this one fairly regularly. One is, so they, they'll reduce the transaction fee. And most Shopify merchants use Shopify's payment gateway. It's called Shopify Payments. And like it's run on top of Stripe. 
But the nice, what's really convenient about it is that like everything lives in just one dashboard. It's convenient. It makes life easy. So people like it. Um, but if as you go up in tiers on those uh, on their plans, the transaction fees, the merchant fees for those that payment solution drops. And so at some point, you will be getting so much revenue, you just save money on the transaction fees and the darn thing pays for itself. But I would suspect before you ever got there, as you're scaling, there are pains or problems you're going to run into that potentially Shopify Plus solves. And uh, there's quite a few features baked into it. But I would say most of the time for us, it is um, all the the excitement happens in the checkout. Like the front end of the store, how it looks when I go from, you know, homepage or landing page to finding a product, adding it to cart, that everybody has total control over that. As soon as you hit the checkout, that is like sacred software. And so Shopify Plus um, merchants, like if you want to really be able to customize that checkout, you need Shopify Plus. And if you want to run really complicated automatic promotions and discounts um, or conditionally hide shipping rates or hide paint, say you sell CBD and some of your payment gateways don't accept allow CBD to be, CBD to be processed. This is a real example. Um, you could use a Shopify scripting script editor, which is like Ruby code that you can use to extend the checkout to make conditional logic happen. So if it, we just go, all right, if it sees a CBD product in cart, we're going to hide the unauthorized payment gateways. And okay. like that's a real enterprisey feature, but that's something, you know, a painter problem that you would solve with Shopify Plus. So it's, it almost always starts with like, I have a painter problem. Shopify Plus has a feature that'll solve it. And it's usually going to be something at the checkout. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. And you also developed apps for Shopify. So for those who do not know Shopify, everything yeah goes with this app or stops with these apps. Uh, tell me a bit more about the apps you developed and the reason behind that. Well, I said uh, I'm engaged to the community of other Shopify friends um, who are in the Shopify partner ecosystem, and I you know I couldn't let them have all the fun developing apps, and so. We had a client who said, hey, do you think it's possible? They, they were going to do a big pre-order launch for a product. They said, do you think it's possible to make a, a product page that the product form looks like Kickstarter? Where it had like a progress bar that would be dynamic and update and a countdown timer and like the info about um, the, the minimum they need to raise for the product to go into production. And they were quite confident that they would hit their goal. And we thought, you know, I don't know, maybe. And so we were able to do it. We built it as a proof of concept. And as soon as we did it, we did it for a second client. So another client saw it. So this is awesome. We got a product launch. We want to try it too. So all right. And once we did two, before we'd even finished the second one, and they hit a million within um, a day of launching with this thing. Wow. Yeah. I thought, then like it, you know, the app helped because it adds urgency and social proof. But um, you know, really, like the credit goes to their their marketing prowess. And success there, <laughs> um, but once we had that, we go okay. This thing works; it's legit. We can build an admin to make it easy to manage these campaigns, as opposed to like you have a developer that has to mess with um, uh, uh, theme templates. And when we had that, no one had ever done anything like it, and it worked really well. So we've got um, we have six hundred customers with it now. And the joy of having an app is you have this for an agency business anyway is now you have this predictable recurring revenue coming in. And like doing it in the Shopify platform, um, yes, we're playing in their sandbox, but also they take care of a lot of stuff, you know, like processing payments and refunds and all that happens on their platform. I don't have to think about it or worry about it. Yeah. Um, and so getting, getting that additional revenue stream uh, 
really helped smooth out the faster feast or famine nature of uh, agency life. And then we were able to confidently add uh, our first full-time employee because of that app. And so that really then freed us up to do even more. So you get the momentum uh, going forward when you're able to build these, these additional revenue streams into the business. Yeah, and it's very interesting because there are coming more and more um, Shopify store owners every day. And uh, yeah, the chance that they install one of your apps is, of course, given. Yeah? At least if the app is good and it has enough reviews, uh, that's for sure a good stream. Oh, we live and die by those reviews. Huh? Yeah, we live and die by reviews. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Hey, one one uh, curious thing. Um, I mean, you have helped your wife plan and build her own uh, Disney World Shopify store. How different did you find the experience from your day to day consultation work? <laughs> so we, she, she wanted to get into Disney World planning. We planned this. We went as a family with our extended family, seventeen people, and she planned the entire trip. And I said, you should do an ebook and sell it. And she's like, yeah, I'm one step ahead of you. I'm going to do like a whole, I'm going to do a, a blog and a store and a planning service. And I said, all right, we can do that. And we're going to build it on Shopify because it's, it's what I know and what I'm good at. And working with her, I loved it. She was like, I don't know that I do. She's like, you know, I appreciate all the help, but sometimes it's tough because business husband is so much more direct and aggressive than traditional husband. Oh, I hear you going. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's really funny when you when you really in the family build something out uh, that that you typically consult. Um, it, it's a huge difference in communication, but um, it went well, right? No, it absolutely it it worked. Um, ultimately, Shopify was a great platform SEO wise, and so there's a lot of. Uh, that's where she found the success uh, was using it as a publishing platform. And so there's a lot of like common Disney World related search terms, you know, and they get tens of millions of visitors a year. And so quite a, that's a big audience. And there's a, a few search terms where she'll come up like top three uh, in wow. Google. And so that drives a lot of traffic. And then that um, we use a lead magnet where we, we get people to download a PDF and that gets them on the newsletter and gets them coming back. And then we get... Um, She's really turned into a lot of like affiliate marketing is what drives that business. I'm all, I'm like, look, we could, um, uh, we could sell info products because Shopify makes that super easy. It could do print on demand. And she does a little bit of that, but the, the publishing, uh, and the, the advertising, um, and, uh, affiliate links, that's really what's, what built the revenue for that business mm -hmm. all on top of SEO and publishing. But the cool. catch is you got to just keep publishing again talking with an audience with a specific audience that is looking for a Disney World trip um, so again where we started um, the podcast today to find the right audience absolutely and she also uh, runs a podcast and I occasionally co-host and what's cool about it she'll do what's called a trip report where someone will go they'll listen to her advice then they'll go do their own trip and then she'll interview them about it be like okay here's what here's what worked here's what didn't and so it kind of it creates a feedback loop. It's continuing education for her where you, she is both doing a customer interview, but also creating content out of it. And I think that's such a, a clever uh, and brilliant way to create a marketing flywheel. And that's what it's all about. Like if you can get off the, the pay-per-click, I'm paying to play with Google and Facebook ads and move to a content marketing flywheel where, yeah, you have to create the content, but you're not paying for it. And you are building your own sandbox to play in as opposed to 
Mark Zuckerberg's. Cool. Let's talk a bit about automations. I mean, in e-commerce, automations are definitely a key to success. What is your experience with shop owners? Do they consider automations already? Are they running into issues and want to start automating things like getting products into the store, exporting orders to shipping carriers and all this kind of stuff? Or what is your approach on automations and integrations? I love automation, but I am a big dork. Like if there are, there are at least 10 smart speakers in my house that are like constantly hassling me because I love automation of all kinds. And the issue is, I think automation is intimidating for people. Like those tools are there. They're amazing. And I absolutely wish more people would use them, especially like Shopify Flow is their workflow automation app that exists. It's included if you have the advanced plan or Shopify Plus. Um, Really useful, really powerful. But I would say for the most part, we see automation get used in email marketing. It's like Clavio will do it. Obviously, like you're sending your review emails automatically. But then beyond that, they're really not... Most merchants are not taking advantage of automation the way they could. And I love automation because it's a great stopgap solution between like, I'm ready to start hiring people and building my team. Like you could, you could absolutely have a robot do it for you in the form of, of automation for at least a little while, or at least like augment an existing team. Thank you. Very cool answer and very, very yeah aligned with, with what I think about automations that are really critical and, and important for business success. Last question for today. Who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? I would have to give credit to Ezra Firestone. Yeah. Wow. Ezra Firestone is... Uh... Tell me more. <laughs> All right. So Ezra Firestone has... He's been selling online his entire life, but then he built a really successful pro-age makeup brand called Boom by Cindy Joseph. But at the same time, was taking what he was learning with with that brand and others um, and sharing it. And years ago, it was at a blog. And then it evolved into um, uh, info products called Smart Marketer. And then he started, similar to me, started building apps that would help him sell more. I said, uh, this app company called Zipify that makes a really nice um, like upsell, cross-sell solution. And... So he's got like the trifecta there, you know, where he's sharing what he learns, building tools for himself to solve his own pains, but then sharing those, monetizing those for others. And then having this, this very successful um, e-commerce brand and using that to like one hand washes the other. I always think those are, are very clever business models. They are. Absolutely. Thanks so much for your time. Really was a pleasure talking to you, Kurt. And uh, yeah, as said, um, build your audience first, then start your shop, choose the right shopping cart solution, think about automations and get your audience fired or get your audience on fire, but do it before you start the online business. Thank you so much. And listen up for Kurt's podcast as well. We will link it afterwards. And uh, yeah, would like to see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time. 